This is The Athletic Hockey Show. My name is Julian McKenzie, and welcome to the Monday edition of The Athletic Hockey Show. Uh, Ian Mendez, once again not with us, I believe this time is because he was served a knuckle sandwich by Milan Lucic. You can read his story with Milan Lucic from a couple of days ago. So once again, Mark Lazarus uh, has joined us for the Monday edition. Mark, thank you so much for filling in in a desperate time of need. You know, I'm a little tired. I had to stay up too late last night because the hockey game was on at uh, 3 in the morning, I think, Eastern time. (laughs) (laughs) This is so wild now as a guy who spent most of his life in Eastern time and has now moved to Mountain time. Seeing people be like, I don't like that it's at 10. I don't like that it's at 11 all these times. And I'm like, you know, it's still sunny out at 8 o'clock. I don't mind it that much. (laughs) Yeah, but you know what? Mountain time to most of the world doesn't really exist. It's like this magical mystery time that like 12 people observe. Like when you're watching TV, what does it say? It says this show's on at 9, 8 central. Nobody cares about Pacific and especially nobody cares about mountain time. It's Eastern and Central. And the rest of you, you go figure it out for yourself because we don't know how to do that much math. I'm not going to lie. I think not too long before I moved, I just sort of assumed Calgary and, and Alberta was in the Pacific time zone. So you're not completely wrong about mountain time being sort of neglected. But all that to say, there were a ton of people uh, leading up to uh, yesterday's Edmonton-Vegas game uh, who were incensed at the fact that, uh, you know, if you're a big sports fan like we both are, you could have watched uh, Game 7 of the Philadelphia 76ers and the Boston Celtics second round series early in the day and then have, you know, nothing to really do up until the evening where you think, hey, seven o'clock Eastern is a perfect time to watch uh, game six between Edmonton and Vegas. No, ESPN decided to air St. Louis and Boston uh, as part of their Sunday night baseball, you know, weekly game, which was a blowout as as it looked right like nine one at one. At least that might have been the final score. That's what I saw at one point. And I think uh, they had a split screen at one point where whoever was calling uh, the baseball game ends up calling Carl the Ravitch, first goal. Yeah. Call Ravage, man. Jeez, he's just calling the first game, uh, the first goal of that game. I don't know if you saw the Troy Stetcher tweet uh, yeah. where he goes at ESPN. The fact that he they missed the first three goals of that game. I'm going to find that tweet real quick here. ESPN, he puts the little clapping emoji. Missed three goals in the opening three minutes of an elimination NHL playoff game because we had to finish out a 9-1 MLB blowout. Hashtag grow the game. Mark, where do you stand on, on everyone being so mad about the scheduling of this particular game? And I think this could also extend into a much longer conversation about scheduling in the playoffs in general because it just seems as if it's been so weird. Look, I get it. It's infuriating. Who wanted to watch the Red Sox? And the Cardinals are like the worst team in the league this year, too. It's not even like a marquee matchup. Who wants to watch that uh, for for three hours? Uh, And I'm a baseball guy. I love baseball. So I I, I get it. But like, obviously, a a Stanley Cup playoff game should be a bigger deal than a baseball game. But it's just not. It's just not in this country. And it's frustrating. And I hate that kids that want to watch Connor McDavid can never see Connor McDavid because he's always on in the wee hours of the night. So you got a school night here. You know, school's not over yet. Kids couldn't stay up and watch that game. That's not, that's how you grow the game, right? Is by getting kids to watch playoff games, to watch Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. That's how you grow the game. Uh, that's what it means. But the problem is hockey doesn't get a third of the audience that a crappy baseball game gets for ESPN. This is the whole thing about getting in bed with ESPN. It's bigger. 
It's got a much higher profile. It, you know, all of a sudden there are shows devoted. A lot of them are web-based, but at least, you know, hockey is being talked about on ESPN. That's all well and good. But here's the totem pole, the, uh, the hierarchy of sports in ESPN's mind. It's the NFL. It's the NBA. It's probably college football, college basketball. And then it's baseball. And then I swear to God, it's college softball, which does really good numbers for them and is on all spring on ESPN, ESPN2, ESPNU, all those channels. And then maybe it's hockey now. What you got with NBC Sports Network for all those years was priority. Is hockey was their biggest priority, so it got the best time slots. That is just not the case with ESPN. This is just a fact of life we're going to have to do. It sucks. I hate it. It's bad for the game. But the fact is, there were probably, I haven't seen the numbers, there were probably 500,000 people watching that Oilers game. There were probably a million and a half people watching that horrible Cardinals-Red Sox game. So that's how you get a split screen where they've got the hockey game up, and they're split-screening it with warm-up pitches. He was warming up. There was no batter and no umpire. He was just warming up when you know two of the goals were scored in the opening minute of this hockey game, of an elimination game featuring the best player any of us have ever seen. This is what you get. And I don't know if it's good. For, you know, overall, I still think ESPN is good for hockey. But this is a fact of life you have to accept as an American hockey fan now that you're playing with the big boys is that you are very, very low in their priority list. But like, I can imagine if you're if you're in America and that's the situation you're dealing with. Like, it's either you're with NBCSN, where to my understanding, not that many people had, or it's not that accessible. Fewer people to had. People. It was still like seventy five million people got that network, but it, it's significantly still, fewer than got ESPN. Yes, absolutely. To compare it to ESPN, where like the biggest show on their network has a guy who says, "Well, the only thing I care about with hockey is that the puck is black." Like it's it's <laughs> oh, frustrating. Yeah, it's Stephen A. Like that, but that's what it is. That's essentially what it is. That's so it's so frustrating to to kind of be in that position where, you know, not only that game, but if you look at some of the earlier games in the series, whether with that series or with the Leafs and the Panthers, they could even get Saturday night games for most of those series because scheduling, right? Just with right. the way that was just scheduled and ESPN trying to maybe whatever fight they would have put up to make those games work. Like it just like I don't know, just I feel as if more than ever this year, probably because of that ESPN deal, because you're right, NBCSN, just the way they prioritize the sport, at least whatever scheduling decisions, it wasn't as noteworthy as before. But the NHL and NBC were partners. The NHL and ESPN are not at that same level. They're just not. No, it's just a exposure thing. And even then, how much more exposure are you getting? And, and you know, here's the thing. ESP, the game was on ESPN too, which. Anybody who gets ESPN gets ESPN2. ESPN2 is a major station. I get it. But that's not what it was scheduled for. And then the problem was they switched to ESPN without like any warning. They didn't say, okay, you want to keep watching this game? Switch. It just happened. So people missed a goal because ESPN switched to the main uh, channel. Like it was just botched all around. Like it was just poorly handled. You know, the way they, it's just, it goes, it just, it feels as a hockey fan watching that, you just go, they do not care about us. And that's what's frustrating is you just know, how unimportant you are in the grand scheme of things. There's so many people at ESPN that love hockey. Remember, when ESPN got that deal, it was like, you were getting all these stories about all the hockey nerds at ESPN, and it's true. They love, there's so many great hockey people that that have worked at ESPN long before they got hockey, but it's the higher-ups. You know, like, like local Chicago sports radio, there's a ton of hockey fans in it, but the rules from, like, the management of the two main sports stations out here is don't ever talk hockey. So something yeah. like winning the draft lottery has to happen for anyone to talk hockey, even like during the playoffs. That's just the mandate that comes from above. And ESPN's mandate from above is clearly that baseball is more important 
than hockey. A regular season baseball game between a you know a horrible team that's a blowout is still going to get more eyeballs than hockey. And it's a catch-22, right? How are you going to get more eyeballs to watch hockey if you put it on at stupid hours? How are you going to grow the game if you don't you know, spotlight the game? And that's the, that's the trick, right? But you know, Disney makes a whole lot of money. They know what they're doing, and they know that they're not going to become rich. They're not going to get Avengers money out of the NHL. And that's just how it is. And, and to, to, to adding to that list of, you know, how are you going to grow the game? Uh, I'm not saying this, but people are going to wonder, well, how are you going to grow the game when the five remaining teams in the Stanley Cup playoffs are Seattle, Dallas, Vegas, Carolina, and Florida? Like, doesn't matter in the NFL, man. Kansas City nope. Chiefs are the marquee team. Green Bay Packers are the Green marquee Bay. team. There's like 80,000 people in Green Bay, and that's a marquee team. I'm with you. I put out a tweet earlier in the weekend saying how like people basically arguing over that stuff and whoever's left. It's like small. It's small peanuts compared to the problems that the NHL and hockey faces, particularly in America, uh, with regards to marketing itself and making it so appealing to the point that we don't have a discussion that we're having now where it's competing with a blowout in a random May game. That's another frustrating thing about this baseball game, too. We're not talking about a September game where it's in the middle of a pennant race yep. or, or 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 a team that's fighting to, to, to stay in the wild card chase or anything like that. We're in May. We're not even at the all-star break yet. I'm not even at the point where I really care about baseball that much. Like, that's what makes this so much more frustrating. Yep. And and for people in Canada, obviously, people in the East who might want to watch this, that 10 p.m. start, that's obviously going to affect people. I know I'm going about being in a, in a mountain standard time. That's two hours behind Eastern standard time for people who don't know what that is. That is more of a reasonable time. But even then, like, I, I get it. It's super And super I get that nobody out West wants to have a game at, like, 5 in the afternoon on, like, a Tuesday no. night or something like that. But this was a Sunday. You know, there's no traffic issues getting to the getting to the arena because it's rush hour. It's a Sunday. There's just no reason this couldn't have been done better. Just just move the game to ESPN two, like full yep. just full blast. Just say, you know what? Give everyone a day's notice. Say this game's going to be on ESPN two, and then everybody would have been happy. Like it's just, but you know, and then now you talk about the small markets and everything like that. And again, it's yeah. the same problem, right? But this is why hockey is different than the NFL. Is I will watch any football game, right? Like yep. if there's a football game on, I'm going to watch it. That's how American TV consumers are. They don't do that for hockey. They don't do like for baseball. I watch every Mets game. I'm not going to watch a Cardinals Red Sox game. I just don't care. The only sport I do that with is football and hockey because hockey is my job. So the reason that the NHL is so dependent on the big markets, it's not because everybody in America wants to watch the Chicago Blackhawks. It's because the Blackhawks have a city of 4 million people and a huge fan base. And that's what drives the ratings. Only Buffalo, Boston, maybe Minneapolis actually have quote unquote hockey fans. Everyone else is a fan of their team. Chicago's not a hockey town. It's an incredibly great Blackhawks town. But I, I know this as someone who has covered playoff games once the Blackhawks were eliminated in the past. Everybody tunes out in this city once the Hawks are eliminated, right? And that's how it is in almost every major city in America short of Buffalo, maybe Boston, maybe Minneapolis. They're not hockey towns in this country. They are teams that they are towns for their teams. And they love and they have great passionate fan bases. But they're not watching an Oilers Vegas Golden Knights game. They're not. So the reason the NHL caters to the big markets is because there's a built-in audience. It's not because, you know, everyone in San Jose is tuning in to watch the Maple Leafs or to watch the, the, the Bruins. It's just that if you have the Bruins on, that's a big city with a huge fan base and your numbers are going to look better. That's an extra couple hundred thousand people that are watching your game, which in terms of NHL ratings in this country is a lot of people. That's just how it is. You're right. But it's funny because the more and more you talk to people who are in different markets in the NHL, the more and more you realize 
how regional fans are. And I don't think it's just a unique American problem. I think it's something that affects Canadians too, because it's one thing to be in Alberta where you have people who live in either Calgary or Edmonton who could be fans of either team. It's a whole other thing to be in Montreal and be like, well, yeah, fine. Connor McDavid, David's playing, but why should I watch Vegas Edmonton? Especially right. if the game is on at 10 o'clock, you guys or, only or unite around your hatred of the Leafs. That's the only unifying factor. <laughs> I mean, to that effect, I mean, I'm sure they're the same deal with Calgary, Edmonton, Montreal, Toronto. There's definitely some of that as well. But yeah, like you can go into any of those Canadian markets and once their team is out, yeah, they're not necessarily going to care about the like a lot of people like to make this whole thing about Canada's this great hockey country, just like a lot of the in a lot of those bigger markets in the States. Once their team is out, they're not going to give that much of a damn about, you know, other teams like this whole Canada's team thing. That's not a thing. It was never going to be a thing. If Edmonton was going to be the only Canadian team standing when this was all said and done for the third round, I promise you it was not going to be a thing where everyone was going to unite around Connor McDavid and the Oilers. Maybe people would have picked that to happen because, you know, for prognostications and all that, but you're not going to see at, at Maple Leaf Square in Toronto, people are going to be like, hey, man, we got a root for Connor McDavid. Like, that's not right. right. That, that only worked for the Raptors and for the Blue Jays because it is literally Canada's team, right? It's the only Absolutely. team you got. And that's the only team nope. that's there. Yeah, in hockey, it's like it's that would be like, well, you know, Chicago fans are going to root for the Blues because it's the Midwest's team. No, that's the teams you hate the most. The no. teams closest to you are the ones you hate the most. Let me ask you another question about these small markets. So, uh, Seattle, Dallas, Vegas, Carolina, and Florida; those are the five teams remaining as we record on a Monday. The fact that these are the teams that are there, I understand it's our jobs to watch hockey and keep you know keep ourselves up on what's going on. But let's say we were not at liberty to follow these games that were coming up with, you know, whatever combination of teams we get when it gets down to four. How excited would you be at these matchups? What would you think of these matchups? Give me your thoughts on it, because there are a lot of people who are saying like, oh, you know, this the NHL got what they wanted. The Toronto's right. not in it. All these big teams right. are not in it anymore. You, you got what you wanted. Look at yeah, these that's, small that's market teams. Is. Let's get rid of all the money making teams. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I uh, it, it's it's in, like like I I love it when you have new blood in 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 the final four and in the Stanley Cup final. I fully and freely admit though it's better when you've got a blue blood against the new blood, right? When you've got like you know the Bruins against a team like the Hurricanes or the Panthers. When you've yeah. got you know uh, the Montreal Canadiens or the Chicago Blackhawks against a team like the Seattle Kraken. That kind of that gives it a David and Goliath kind of thing. It gives that, that upstart feel and it kind of creates a storyline there. Um, and, and for the record, it's silly that we're calling the Carolina Hurricanes like some kind of startup. They are good every year. They're, they are contenders to win the Stanley Cup every year. They're not going anywhere. Like, they're one of the best-run organizations in the league. They've got a great fan base. They're one of the loudest rinks in the league. Like, at some point, when do we, when do we graduate them? Like, remember when the National Predators were the eighth seed in, like, 17, and they went mm-hmm. to the Stanley Cup final, and all of a sudden, that was, like, a real hockey market, right? And we, all of a sudden, Nashville was a, was a marquee town. Like, when do we start graduating these teams? Like, the Carolina Hurricanes are really good. The Florida Panthers won the President's Trophy last year. Seattle has a crazy excited fan base in one of the best arenas in the league. Uh, and Dallas has song a great in the fan base. Yeah, I mean, they're playing freaking Nirvana. You know, Dallas has Pantera playing after their goals. Like, there's a lot, Carolina's got, what's it, you, I already forgot his name. We did the story and I can't remember his name. The Carolina, Peter, the rise Carolina has Petey Pablo. Right. I mean, you've got some, like, marquee, like, cool, you know, musicians participating in this. There's a lot to like about these teams. There's just this attitude of oh, there's it's sunny there. We can't like hockey. That's not allowed. It's too it's in warm the south. down there. 
Like Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay in 2015 was kind of like, oh, look at that. They made it to the Stanley Cup final, the Sunbelt team. Now they're like the marquee team in the league. We At some point, we have to graduate Carolina out of this like, you know, quirky Sunbelt team. That is a very real franchise that's not going anywhere anytime soon. And Florida's on its way. I know, you know, that's a team that makes a lot of money. That arena is far away from anything, but they mm-hmm. uh, they have a great deal with that arena and they make a lot of money. Vinny Viola is not going anywhere. The Florida Panthers are going to be around for a long time. It's time to just get the hell over it and accept that teams in warm places are going to do well. Vegas is going to do well. Carolina is going to do well. Florida and Tampa are going to do well. Just get the hell over it already. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's basically it. Especially, you know, look, if we were both NHL players looking for contracts, looking for places to play, as enticing as it is to play with Connor McDavid at Edmonton, Florida, especially now with the team that they have, give you give you a give me veterans men. And obviously they have t- there's tax benefits in Florida and in Dallas. You make a lot more money playing in those cities. Uh, playing Absolutely. in those states. That's just the way the states work. Absolutely. Also, you can't be one of those people who go on Twitter and complain about how no one likes your sport or no one watches your sport and then get mad about this. Because if the point about growing the game is, you know, to see more and more people watch, to see more and more people get into it, dragging in all the casuals and stuff, this should be seen as a good thing. The fact that we don't see the typical teams we would have expected to be in this place. There's a golden opportunity for basically all of these markets to look at a run like this and use it as a galvanizing point to get people interested in the sport and then turn it into a team like Tampa, like you said. Right. And these are some fun teams too, right? The Florida Panthers, they just go. Carolina, I know they're they're ridiculously well-structured, but they are fast as hell. Mm-hmm. Dallas has this reputation as being this grinded out team, but that's not how they're built anymore. They got stars all over the place. You got Hints, you got Robertson, you still got Ben and Sagan. Like They got the best goalie left in the playoffs. Dallas is a great team that's fun to watch. Seattle just comes at you in waves. They don't have any real marquee names, but that's kind of what makes them all the more impressive. They have, in theory, horrible goaltending and no marquee names, and all they do is score goals. They just keep scoring and scoring and scoring. Like These are good and exciting. Vegas plays an exciting brand of hockey, and they've got Jack Eichel and Mark Stone. There's so much to like about some of these teams. I don't give a shit if they don't come from major metropolitan areas necessarily, and they kind of do. Vegas is a big city. Raleigh's not some hole in the wall. You know, Fort Lauderdale, Miami, West Palm Beach, that that is all the Florida Panthers. There are millions of people in South Florida. They're all New Yorkers and Ontario people, so they, they already have their allegiances. <laughs> That's kind of one of the problems they have down there. But there are people down there. Like, these are not, so you know, when people complain about Columbus, Columbus is, what I think, one of the 10 biggest cities in the country now. Like, these Columbus are a lot of people really there. good city. These are cities you want to grow the game in. It can only be good to have, you know, what you did in Tampa was good for the game. Tampa's a solid fan base now with great ownership and a great team. Same with Nashville. There's great you know, fan base there now. You have to build out these individual fan bases to grow the game you know, league-wide. I just wish that hockey, and I know it's, it's going to take a long time or it'll just never happen. I just wish the fact, I just wish we were able to have more of an emphasis on individuals in this league yeah. because we're going through all these different teams. We're going about how good these teams are. But, like, imagine if we were able to approach this and say, man, Florida's in the conference final. That means we get to see more Matthew Kachuk and how he's been playing well. Well, That's how the NBA got huge, right? The NBA was – That's how the NBA got huge. 30 years ago, the NBA was the same as the NHL. It had maybe even smaller – you know, I, I remember that when, when the Rangers won the cup in 94, SI had that uh, that cover yep. where it was like, hockey's hot and the NBA is cold. And, you know, in the 80s, 
you know, the NBA finals were on tape delay at like 10.30 p.m. on CBS. Like, <laughs> the NBA that. got big because of its stars, star power. The ga- I love basketball, but basketball is no different than hockey. It's not like it's a that much of a better, more entertaining game. It's a more entertaining product. And that's because there's so many superstars. Look, look at what Tatum did yesterday. Look at what LeBron's doing. He's just he's a 900-year-old man on bad knees just willing his team to a championship because he can. Like, look at what Steph Curry and, and, and what the Warriors, Golden State Warriors, one of the worst franchises in sports for how long? That was a small market team for all of Oakland? Oakland? Look at the A's right now. They're terrible. But because you had yeah. Steph Curry, bam, that's a marquee franchise now. Now, all of this said, I mean, I can go on and on and on about how we should love small market teams and all this and expanding the game. The ratings Absolutely. for the conference finals and the Stanley Cup final are going to be abysmal. They're oh. going to be terrible. And oh. they're going to be so bad. And here's the thing. This is my my plea to the hockey world, anyone listening. Don't care. Who cares? If the ratings are bad, you still got to watch it, and it was still fun for you, and you could go tell someone else to watch it, and maybe they'll start watching it. The, the TV deal's in place. This is year one. Bad ratings this year are not going to ruin the sport. They're not going to ruin the salary cap. They're not going to ruin your time. Just enjoy it. We stress about that. Like you and I got to stress about, it's kind of our job to stress about the health of the league. As a hockey fan, you don't have to give the slightest shit about this. Just enjoy the game. Enjoy an exciting Florida Panthers, Carolina Hurricanes matchup. It's going to be a good series. It's going to be fun. It'll be a bunch of goals scored. And just don't sweat the ratings because that's ESPN's problem. And let me tell you, Disney's got money. They don't have to, you don't have to worry about it. Turner's got money. They're going to be okay, guys. Don't worry about the corporations. It's going to be okay. okay. Here's the thing. I'm with you on all of that. But what if the third round games are of the same quality as the second round games we've seen so far? Because I think that's, that's important in all round, of this, too. It? That has been really bad. I'm sorry. Aside from some of those games in the Leafs-Panthers series, it's been really hard to watch some of it. I mean, even Edmonton-Golden Golden, Golden, the Golden Knights series, there's been some good moments, too. But, like... We did not get the same quality as we yeah. got in the first round of these years play- of this year's playoffs, and I think when we look at the ratings too, we have to consider that in mind as well. There's a possibility that hey, we could hype up these matchups as best as we can, but if Carolina and Florida is a slog, some of those low ratings might be justified. Well, the problem is there's just too many blowouts, right? We're not used to so many blowouts in the Stanley Cup final. Like yes, it, 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 when it's a playoff game, it doesn't matter if it's a boring two to one game. There's so much tension on every single possession that it carries you through. Now, I don't know if it's because we don't really have a lot of good goalies right now. You know, That's it's what Jake I'm Ottinger, and, and there's just a bunch of bad goalies out there, mediocre goalies at best. Or Wait, if it's Sergei just Bobrovsky that, is too vesinous. Right, but he's he's doing real well, but th- it's been a long time since we've seen Sergei Bobrovsky be this good, right? Like, this is unexpected at the very least. Yes. Um, this offensive explosion runner where, where everyone gets 100 points and everyone has 40 goals, this is the side effect of that, is you're going to have five to one playoff games. You know, when Jamie Benn was winning the scoring title with 87 points, every game was three to two or two to one because nobody could score a freaking goal. So this is like, you know, we all wanted more offense. We got more offense. This is what you get. You get a lot more blows. You go back to the 80s and the early 90s when scoring was up and every game was like eight to three, seven to two. This is what you get. You get blowouts. The beauty of hockey for the last 20 years with all the, you know, the how difficult it's been to score is every game was close, so it always felt like it was in reach, reach, even if it wasn't. Now, in this modern NHL, where you can score three goals in three minutes, you know, a 5-2 lead is probably the equivalent of a 2-1 lead back then, but it doesn't feel that way. It looks really bad. It feels less exciting. So I think this is just a side effect of mediocre goaltending and this offensive explosion. More offense leads to more blowouts. But, like, 
I want an NHL world where, I mean, I want the goal scoring, but I want both sides to get it. Like you say, 8-3, I want 7-5. Yeah, I would oh, love be, a 7-5 yeah. playoff game. <laughs> that would be amazing. I would love that to death. I want to give me 7-5. I'll, I'll, I'll handle the bad goaltending if both teams are able to do it. Because that's what makes the games really excited when it gets to that point. Like, if it's okay, like this one goaltender is super bad and it's 7-2, you tune out. But what really gets us going is pretty much like what the beginning of Vegas and Edmonton was last night, where it's like right. within how many minutes, chaos. there's three goals scored between both teams. It's just utter chaos. I don't mind if the goaltending is mediocre, just so long as both teams are able to score. But we haven't seen too many moments of that in this postseason, and I wonder how it will translate to the third round with the teams that are remaining. Vegas can score goals. Dallas can score goals. Seattle and Carolina might be a bit more balanced, and Carolina might be a bit better structured defensively, but Florida's able to chime in as well. Like I'm very curious about what these potential matchups could look like. Yeah, and, and it's funny to go back to talking about what the, what the NBA was like in the mid-90s again, and... The, the, you know, I was I loved those Knicks teams back then, fighting with the Heat yeah. and the Bulls and the Pacers every year. But every game was like eighty four to eighty one, and like these were not good high octane offenses. And that was kind of when the NBA, well, the, the storylines were great, the games were awful. <laughs> and you know, so it, it, it's it's now you get every game is one hundred and twenty points. You got guys like going for fifty points every night. That's more exciting, right? But it also leads to games like Game Seven last night, yesterday between the Sixers and the Celtics was a bad oh, game. It's a bad it was game. A bad game. It was. It got bad in the third quarter. Yeah, which is you know when you want it to get exciting is the second half, yeah, right? Bad. So exactly. like like I, I think the NHL's facing is as long as there's this offensive explosion, you are so much more prone to these blowouts. Where you know in the in the in the past in the re- very recent past, uh, a good goalie could overcome a team's bad effort, or vice versa, or you just grind it out, or it was just so hard to score it didn't matter. You could completely dominate the game, and like the Leafs and Lightning series was like that, where like you, you could dominate the game, but nobody was scoring. Or that you couldn't get like a big lead. I think this is just the new reality of the NHL right now. This is the this is like the monkey's paw wish where you I want more scoring in the NHL. Well, here it is. We're in the era of superstars, and every game sucks now. Like I miss the triple. You know, I want more triple overtime. I want more. You know, guy team pulling their goalie down two one with the last three minutes to go, trying to scrap it and tie it. Like we're not getting that. We're getting more exciting plays, but we're getting less exciting games. Is it just me, or if you've had any use of a monkey's paw this postseason, like, just, it's not working for you. It's your Leafs fan, well it's all. like, I want to go to the second round. You do, but you only win, like, one game. I want more scoring. Yeah, you're just going to get all these blowouts in round two. Um, I don't know what's another, like, be careful what you wish for scenario. It's like, I want new teams. It's it's Seattle, Dallas, Vegas, Carolina, Florida, the, <laughs> potentially the conference finals. I, I don't know. Uh, just... I don't know. Like, it, it, be careful what you wish for. It might be the motto of this year's postseason. Yeah, we're all a little hypocritical when it comes to our fandoms, too. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. There is a game seven uh, that is happening tonight between Seattle and Dallas, because I know I keep mentioning that there are five teams remaining. It is physically impossible to have conference finals with five teams. It'd be fun Who to watch. Is gonna win- It'd be amazing to watch. It'd be hilarious. Like imagine like one, t- two pucks, three teams. Like- 
Yeah. Like, what if, like, there's two teams that play against each other in a game one, and then the matchup changes in game two, and then it's a completely different matchup in game three. It, I'll work that out off, <laughs> off the show. Game seven, Seattle versus Dallas. Who wins that game and why? I, I always come back to goaltending, and this, this spring that is proving me stupid, but I'm sticking <laughs> with it because I have a lifetime of experience watching Stanley Cup playoff games where goaltending makes all the difference. And I'm going with Ottinger. I'm going with Dallas. I, I picked Dallas to win the Cup you know, going into these playoffs, and Ottinger was a big reason why. And he doesn't look like himself. He's had a couple of games where it's like, wow, what is going on here? Uh, and Seattle is, like I said, Seattle's a lot like Carolina where they're so deep and that it doesn't matter if a couple of guys are having off nights because they're still going to come at you in waves. So Seattle's scary that way. But if it's Jake Ottinger versus Philip Grubauer, I don't care how good Grubauer's been in this playoffs. I'm taking Ottinger, like, without even thinking about it. I'm, 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 I'm going with Dallas. Here's the thing. Like, goaltending, I'm of that theory, too, where, you know, just better goaltending should rise to the top. But also what I think has been very apparent in this postseason and pretty much for every postseason, you don't need the goaltender. You need a goaltender. Mm -hmm. And at different points in this postseason, Philip Grubauer has played like a goaltender that the the, uh, Seattle Kraken have needed. And just... I don't want to sleep on the Kraken anymore, man. They're able to start, get off to great starts. You mentioned how balanced they are as well. Dallas, they have the firepower to do it, but like they've had moments where it just doesn't click for them, right? Like I just, I really would love to see Dallas make it, but I don't want to sleep on the Kraken. And I think the Kraken might actually win this game seven. And we could get a Seattle Vegas conference final. It'd be wild. Oh my God. Could you all imagine the, all the, the people that rail about the freaking uh, dr- expansion drafts? They will be having oh. a field day. Think of think of the hot take blitz we're going to see over that. Oh my god! Imagine being a fan of a team like Vancouver or Calgary, <laughs> teams that have like not won that many playoff series since like the '90s. Fans who like complain about their GMs or ownership just mismanaging the hell out of their teams, and then here come the two most recent teams, most recent additions to the NHL, and they have found a way to see playoff success in their infancy. Is this the fourth time Vegas has been in the Western Conference Final now? Oh my in what, gosh. Six, seven years that they've been around. I mean, it's, it's absolutely absurd. <laughs> it's absurd. I got no problem with it. Like, I'm not one of those people. I, I like an expansion draft that actually, like, gives a new fan base something to cling to. You know? Yeah. Like, I was disappointed that Seattle was so bad last year. And I'm glad, I was glad to see them, you know, that it all worked out in the end. Because, you know, again, you talk about growing the game. The whole s- expansion system for decades was... Congratulations, you're part of the league now. Here's the worst team you ever saw. Enjoy. Go spend that money. No, you want at least a competitive team, right? Like maybe it's gone a little too far in the other direction, but it's good that these new markets get competitive teams because that's how you build a fan base. And now there's a couple million new fans in the league because of Vegas and because of Seattle that weren't there before. That's a good thing. It's good for the league. It sucks if you're the Vancouver Canucks and you've never won the Stanley Cup and you're seeing this just tearing your hair out. I get it. I get why you wouldn't enjoy it as a rival, but it's good for the overall health of the league that these new teams come in and are competitive right away. Small thing to add as well. Uh, I imagine the NHL would love a Golden Knights Kraken matchup because it'll be a lot easier to sell the Winter Classic. Yeah, that's true. And the next expansion team, another $700 million, uh, and it'll become an $800 million bid for the next expansion team since that's the primary source of revenue for the league now is just adding teams. <laughs> Just add the teams. We're not going to market Connor McDavid. We're just going to add more teams. Hey, man. Shout out Houston, man. Shout out to them. They'll probably Kansas get that City, 33rd franchise. Kansas City. Not, not, not Quebec, different teams. Sorry, Quebec. No. Yeah. Sorry about that, Quebec. You're about to go Can to we Stanley. talk about some good teams that are out of the playoffs as a result of this weekend? I want to just spend a second or two on the Edmonton Oilers because 
I have to admit, as good as the Vegas Golden Knights are, as stacked as they are as a team, I am surprised that the Edmonton Oilers were not able to get out of that second round. This is a year where they they had Connor, they had Leon, they were playing really well. Nuge had himself a dominant regular season. They made these additions at the deadline, getting guys like Nick Bukestad and Matthias Eck home. Uh, goaltending, that was a whole big arguing point last year with how they should have made that better instead of using Mike Smith to their advantage. No, they got Stuart Skinner. They signed Jack Campbell. It didn't work out, but Stuart Skinner was their guy. It did not work. Where do the Oilers go, go from here with after another year where they fall short of expectations? I don't know. It's tough, right? I mean, you know, this is you've had eight years of Leon and Connor together, and you have not won a single third round game yet. You made it to the conference final last year and got swept. That's the best they've gotten. I mean, that's that's distressing, right? You are squandering the primes of two of the best players we'll ever see. Um, it, it, again, it comes down to goaltending, right? Oilers did not have satisfactory goaltending this this, nope. this playoffs. They score goals at will. They have the greatest power play we've ever seen. You should be able to win playoff series when you score on 60% of your power plays, whatever it was. Like, ridiculous power play. That should be sufficient if you just get adequate goaltending. And they didn't. Jack Campbell wasn't the guy. Stuart Skinner, you know, might win the Calder Trophy this year, but it, it was a little dicey out there for him. He mm-hmm. wasn't really ready for the moment. And that... It, it comes down to goaltending. It always does. Even in this era of offense, it's you still have to have someone stopping the puck. And when did the Oilers get that big <laughs> save that won them a game? They just didn't get it. This team's not good enough. Like, the West was wide open this year. And we were all thinking, well, this could be Edmonton's year, right? It's Edmonton or Dallas. Like, the Pat- all the great teams are out East. And the West is going to be a cakewalk for one of these good teams. And it's not. The West is pretty good. The West has a lot of pretty good teams. And no great teams. Edmonton was not a great team this year. They were in hot and cold in the regular season. They closed strong. They were really good. They could have won the Stanley Cup. With the talent they have and the power play they have, they could have won the Stanley Cup, even with that goaltending they have. But you need to do better by Connor and Leon. You need to have a you know a deeper forward. You can't just rely on the top six. You can't just rely on the power play. You need better blue line. And you need, you know, adding Ekholm was great. That was a really good addition. But you got to stop the puck. You got to do better than Jack Campbell. Who thought that signing was going to save the Oilers? Jack Campbell. I didn't. I, I, anyone? <laughs> I, 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 yeah. I didn't. I didn't think it was going to save them, man. Look, there was something about how he played in that postseason the year before, just with the way that he kind of. I find he's so emotional. He puts too much on himself. Mm. But you know what? I'm not a goalie expert, and I shouldn't be that critical. But those are just easy observations that if I can see, so many other people could see. The fact that it got to a point where they had to put in Stuart Skinner to be the guy, and the fact that Jack Campbell, the guy they're obviously paying more, is sitting on the bench. Like, man, that's going to be a really well, that interesting happened to situation Bobrovsky for the too. to figure out. I mean, that, that Bobrovsky was on the bench for a couple of years now. He was a backup at $10.5 million. And now he's the savior of Florida again. It's, it's voodoo, right? Like, none of us can understand goaltending. but. When you have this window with these great players still under contract, you got to do better than maybe Jack Campbell's good enough. Man, but like, this is just so frustrating because I genuinely thought they were doing better this year. They had had the additions that sort of worked last year, and then they made the additions that should have put them over the top. They ended up going like one round short of where they went last year, yeah. and they and I, and they look like a better team this year. Like, it's so weird. It's it is. So I think it's pretty clear uh, that if there's any takeaways to take away from this playoffs, it's that Connor McDavid's a fraud, and oh Leon Drysital is a trash player, and they should probably. I mean, if you can trade him, you get a couple of second or third round picks for him. You do it, but 
Um, you know, just just you know, wave them for the purposes of termination and move on. It's just not working. Mark, I mean, Leon Dreisaitl only. Mark, only, they, Leon Dreisaitl only had one assist in his last four games. What a bum! Bum, what total a bum. bum. And he oh had two legs gosh. too. He had two fully working legs this time. Seriously, just, just, just it's pathetic. These guys yeah. are pathetic, and they need to play more defense. That's what I've been told. Yeah, Leon Dreisaitl on one leg better than Leon Dreisaitl on two legs. That is the biggest takeaway from all of this. But yeah, if you're the Edmonton Oilers, you go through a year like that. That is super frustrating. I mean, they're just going to run uh, it back, for, right? I mean, they're going to maybe. I mean, that's all they could really do. What can you do? You can't do anything else. You just have to run it back and, and hope it was that a good like, team. It was a really good team that that was fun to watch and and beat a, and won you know won a lot of hockey games. But man, got to stop a puck. We're getting closer and closer. To capo friendly, cap friendly o'clock, where like we start <laughs> looking at Leon Dreisidel and Connor McDavid's contracts, and we see that Darnell Nurse is signed for what seven more years at a yeah. rate that I think is more than what Kale McCarr is making, and and people want to, hey man, if if the Edmonton Oilers can't figure this out, Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisidel might go somewhere. They might. Go you to don't want to get US to the markets. point. You don't want to get to the point the Blackhawks were in about four or five years ago, without having banked a few Stanley Cups first. Mm-hmm. Every, all the misery and cap problems the Blackhawks went through was a lot more e- easy to swallow because they had won with that group. So the fact that, you know, Taves and Kane had those matching eight-year, $10.5 million a year contracts, they didn't win anything on those entire length of those contracts because they, were, they, they kicked in the year after their third cup. Who cares? They got three cups. Yeah, that's it. Like, you got to do it now while they're in their 20s. It doesn't happen when they're in their 30s. Like there's got to be some urgency in, in in Edmonton to plug whatever holes are there because you've got a few more years of this. You got to keep running it back for a few more years, and then there's decisions to make. Mark, can you imagine if a team was trying to be like a Chicago that had all this front loaded talent and gave all this money to some of their core players and it just didn't work? Man, I can't think of another team that would do anything like that. Oh, sorry, uh, the <laughs> Toronto Maple Leafs are having leaker, locker cleanout day today. Uh, yeah, but you know what those are- Blackhawks had. Those Blackhawks yeah. had incredibly good third and fourth lines, and they yeah. had inc- an incredibly good second defensive pairing in Jomerson and Oduya. That team, you know, it, it, you need more than a top six and one defenseman. <laughs> like, it was not Taves and Kane willing themselves. They had like seven or eight guys plus incredibly useful role players. They had a team. They had like what the Kraken have now, but with like six Hall of Famers on it. You but can't Mark, just have the six Hall of Famers. But I was told Nolachari was enough. <laughs> I thought Sam Lafferty would have made a difference. Oh, Sam. Uh, I, I remember putting Sam Lafferty in a Flames trade board once. I thought he would have probably made he a difference. He was really there, good this I year for go. the Blackhawks. Yeah, he was nice. decent. He was a play. Uh, he he seems like a guy who would be a great playoff performer as like a third or fourth liner. Just with the way this Leafs team is just like year after year after year after year of getting kicked in the nuts. And they, they went around this year. They win one game. You know, it's, it had been almost like 7,000 days between like when they last won in the third, in the second round compared to this year. It had been almost 7,000 days since that happened. It feels like it's been 7,000 days since they beat the Lightning in the first round. Yeah, that too. It feels like a whole eternity ago where all those fans were celebrating and you're seeing clips on the NHL website of all of all these fans just like f- rolling themselves onto the ground, wearing Matthews jerseys and them yelling, we want Florida. I had a back and forth with uh, some good friends of mine who are Leafs fans. And I remember and and they were trying to go, like, oh, they didn't show the video of fans saying we want Boston and that we want Florida video was a lie. You mean to tell me? That 
Only those 20 drunk fans at Maple Leaf Square. Those are the only people who wanted Florida. Those are the only people fake. trying to want It's deep. Those are the only people who wanted Florida. Those are the only people who wanted the Florida Panthers. Those are the only people. It was just them. It was a total lie. Total lie. Anyway, I'm, I had to get that off my chest because that really, that just got me on my nerves today. But it seems as if we're on the precipice of some kind of change in Toronto. Like, Something has to happen. How dramatic right? can they really change things, though? I mean, is trading Willie Nylander really that big of a game changer? Like, well, he's in the core four, right? Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, it's really the core three, right? It's Matthews, Tavares, and Marner. Those, and Morgan Riley, if anything, would be your core four. And those guys know. are still I don't know signed. if I agree with that. I don't know if I agree with that because I think there have been moments where William Nylander has he's been able player. to... He's a good player, but there have been moments where he's able to produce when Matthews and Marner and... and haven't produced or Tavares. Yeah, but Nylander is the only one you can do anything with, right? Because he's yeah. got one year left. You know, Marner and Tavares have, uh, what, three, uh, two years left. Matthews has a, has a, has a full year left. Yes. Uh, but at like, you know, $12 million. And Riley is signed in perpetuity, basically. Like, I don't, you can't dramatically overhaul this roster. And obviously trading like an Austin Matthews is not on the table. He's one of the best players in the world. You'd be an no, idiot to do happen. that. So like, how dramatically can you really change this roster? It's still going to come down to, Finding that third and fourth line, finding those role players. It's not going to be some dramatic change. And if you get rid of Nylander for whatever, fine, whatever, that's not going to dramatically change this team. It's got to be a overhaul of everyone below those guys. That's where the change has to come from. That's where success is going to come from because we see it over and over again. Mike Babcock said this once. It was during the 2013 playoffs. They were playing um, when they were playing the Blackhawks. He said, when you get to the second round of the playoffs, Every single team in the league has a great top six. It's what comes after that that separates you from the other team. And, you know, it was he's absolutely right. You got to have a fourth line that can play 14, 15 minutes a night and check against the top, you know, the opponent's top guys to free up your, your best player. You need those guys. That's what makes the difference in the playoffs. And the Leafs don't have it. They just don't have it. But, like... I guess what what are they going to do to get to that point? Is it moving a guy like William Nylander to ensure you get other pieces that could bolster that depth? Is moving a guy – I mean, this is a slightly different look at it, but what about Sheldon Keefe's tenure as head coach? Is is this the end for him? This is a guy who's, what, like the most successful regular season coach for this team? Has he not been able to get enough out – he just hasn't been able to get enough out of this team. Yeah, no, you could absolutely justify that. You could absolutely justify a coaching change. Yeah, it's just – it would be pretty wild uh, just to get to that point, but it would probably be the necessary thing. It's just so the Rangers did with worked. Gerard Gallant, right? He was yep. the one. He's maybe the best regular season two two year stretch the Rangers have had in, in decades, and he got fired because they weren't doing enough in the playoffs, and that was with a conference final appearance. Well, uh, one quote that's starting to float around now from a couple minutes ago: Austin Matthews had his media availability. Oh, but uh, my intention is to be here, and uh, apparently he would like to see the extension done before next season. So we, we know we know what this is going to be in Toronto. These next few months is just okay. Who is level going to headed, get, calm, yeah. rational discourse? Right, that's what it's going to be. Wusa, <laughs> <laughs> something like Wusa. Serenity now, gonna, serenity ser- now. Please, yes, because that's what it's going to be for the next few months. It's is Austin Matthews going to sign? If, as far as I'm concerned, if the Leafs let it get to the beginning of the season, and Austin Matthews has no deal. Oh my God. No, it's it's that's, carnage. That's a problem. It's carnage. It's a problem. It would be a. It would pretty much be an organizational failure because you can't let yeah. him get to that point. But also, like, every city he goes into, that he's going to get asked that question every yep. time he's in. 
you know, Arizona, half of Canada is going to show up at that game. Are you going to Arizona? Oh. Are you going to Arizona? Are you going to Arizona? Do you see that fan, I think, for game six who was wearing that Matthews jersey yes. with the Arizona? I love oh, it. my God. You know, sometimes you got you to gotta manifest something that you believe in in life, right? It's like all, <laughs> there, were, there was a Blackhawks fan late in the season who was wearing a Connor Bedard Blackhawks jersey. We all laughed at him. Genius. He probably yeah, got it at it, half price. Uh, <laughs> what number did he get on it? It was 98, and I know he wore 16 oh. at, at Worlds. Um, I, 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 he was assuming it was going to be a 98, though. Ooh. It's available. That my, damn. I got 16 say, should be required for, uh, retired from Marcus Kruger anyway, so. Yeah, that's, a, <laughs> that's, that's an incredible foresight on that part. But yeah, uh, we're obviously going to see more unfold in the coming days when it comes to the Leafs and stuff, but just, wow, another team able to fall short. So. Congratulations, Mark. Congratulations to the United States on yet another year where they will have the Stanley Cup in their country. Congratulations. Congratulations to us for our American team that will be predominantly Canadian and European. Yes. Yes, of course. I, 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 uh, I always find it hilarious when people like get all haughty. Like, like, don't get me wrong. It's objectively funny that Canada hasn't won a Stanley Cup in 30 years. Like, It's really funny. But it's like, yeah, USA's better at hockey. Yeah, with Canadian players. Like, Relax, dude. Like, calm yourself. You know. Uh, just to not to put my age out there, uh, since I've been alive, I have seen more Canadian MLS champions. I have seen more Canadian NBA champions. Uh, technically, I wasn't alive for uh, when the Jays won their last series in 1993, but that happened after uh, the Stanley Cup was won. We have seen more Canadian winners in so many other big four sports as opposed to it's uh, time to accept that Canada is just not a good hockey country. It's more of a, you know. Well, we beat you in curling too last year, didn't we? Oh, you got some problems. Oh no, we're just we're just gonna have to take basketball away from you now. What tell you, man? In a couple years, you're growing there. It's getting better. There's no doubt about better. it. Shea Gilgis Alexander is it all? Is it all pro? Not all pro. He's an all NBA, all pros NFL. Hey, man, there's more and more Canadians coming up, man. Don't worry. We'll about always it. have American football over you. Ooh, we kind of created a sport that only we can dominate. That was. It's a very American <laughs> thing to do is to create create a sport. Insist it's the only sport that matters and the biggest sport in the world. Call your winners world champions when literally no one else plays it. That's that's, yeah. that's what we do, yo. But you but you never you will never have the Canadian Football League over us. That's true because it's weird. <laughs> the fifty five <laughs> like yard line, the rouge, there's some weird stuff going on. You don't I like do like the thing where football. you could like I do like the more there's more guys in motion and stuff. I like that. But some 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 of the world the rules I'm I'm always seem to be in Canada for the Grey Cup. And so I've watched a lot of great cups over the years, and there's some weird stuff going on up there. When Henry Burris, Shout out failed Henry Burris. Chicago Bears quarterback, is one of the iconic players of your league. Eh. Hey, Warren Moon is an icon. That's he's true. A great, he's a great NFL quarterback. Doug Flutie is also a CFL icon. Not, not a great NFL quarterback, but yeah. No, that's fair. But uh, hey, there, there's some. Let's not slight the CFL completely. <laughs> it's a good league. It is. Fine. It's good. It's fun. It's, um, it's given. It's given to people some jobs. We gotta like that. That's fair. You can in America, you can watch it on ESPN on a better time slot than the Stanley Cup playoffs. Con Smythe winner of the week. Uh, if you follow us from the regular season, when Ian and I would do Jack Adams uh, award winner of the week, uh, same premise. Instead of coaches, it's players. I'm going to give you a list of players who did pretty well in the last few days. I think there's one that's pretty obvious over the top, but you tell me if I'm missing anybody or if there's anyone else on that list who's better. Jonathan Marcheseau, five goals, eight points in the last few days, gets himself a hat trick against Edmonton in game six. Jack Eichel, not to be slighted, two goals, six points in the last few games. 
Connor McDavid, three goals, five points. Manny Beniers and Rupe Hints also on that list as well. Uh, but give me your Con Smythe winner of the week. Has it been already a week since uh, Bobrovsky knocked out the Leafs? Has that been more than a week now? I can't even keep track. Like, I guess all time less, is less than a week. But I guess he should be considered in that too. Dude found a way to get that going. I mean, the Panthers winning that in five. Sergey Bobrovsky definitely deserves consideration. You're absolutely right. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I mean, March is so getting a natural hat trick in an elimination game. It's hard to overlook that. I think I think I think I'm comfortable with March so, but let's not forget what Bob did in this round to uh, completely turn the biggest city in your country upside down. <laughs> That's very true. Uh yeah, it's kind of hard to argue. I mean, you're right. This dude, I actually have another question with Sergey Bobrovsky cuz someone brought up the point on Twitter and I'm wondering if this is something that we should start talking about more. If Sergey Bobrovsky wins the Stanley Cup this year, does that make him a Hall of Famer? A Hall of Famer, because he has two Vezinas. He does have two Vezinas. Wow, like I, I don't think so. I don't think <sighs> that the like, uh, but man, I was hoping for the carnage answer, which would be yes. I don't like I, goalie. It's hard for goalies. It seems like it's hard for goalies to get in, right? Like you know, absolutely, it is. Chris Osgood and Corey Crawford. There's so many guys that have won multiple cups out there that don't get a lot of respect. But two Vezinas is two Vezinas, right? Like that's how many multiple Vezina winners are, are not in the Hall of Fame. I'd, I'd be curious to see that. I've never even given it like a passing thought, which kind of like, you know, I'm, I, I'm, I'm one of those like small hall guys where I want it to mean like something spectacular to get into the Hall of Fame. Like I kind of roll my eyes when it's the Hall of Very Good. Yeah. But two Vezinas is two Vezinas. That's quite a peak. But over the course of his entire career, how often was Sergei Bobrovsky the best goalie in the league? And I don't, I don't think people look at him as like, Wow, I was lucky to see Sergei Bobrovsky play. And I feel like, you know, spiking two amazing years isn't quite enough for me, unless it's like Sandy Koufax type years. And I just, I don't think he's there. Two, the two years where he wins Vezinas, the fact that he can say that he was the goaltender for two of the biggest first round upsets in recent memory. Yeah. And he had a Stanley Cup to that too. Like, I, I don't even know whatever international success he might have, but like, I look at the resume and I think it's worth making the argument. I think you can make that point too. You do raise a good issue though. The fact that how many times have we looked at Sergei Bobrovsky and said, he's like the best at his position. I don't yeah. think that's ever really been said, even in those years where he won the Vezina. The more like, you put it like that, like the more I think he could get in because yeah. that those kind of guys are getting in with more regularity. Like the bar is, has been lowered, but in my hall of fame, I don't, I don't think what he's done even with the Stanley cup this year would be, quite there yeah but that would be a really interesting debate especially if he wants a con smith if he wants a con smith in that run too yeah then then that trophy case is looking pretty good all of a sudden isn't it it's looking real good man i'm telling you but sergey Bobrovsky, i mean played in all five games in that series 4-1 record uh, didn't allow more than two goals in each of those games he's been real good there's no doubt about it do you want to give it to him over marchie You know, no, I, I, I think I'll stick with March or so because, like, again, okay. a, a game six, you know, Bobrovsky had, you know, a few games where he could, he had, he had, he had some little leeway there. And, mm. But I, I don't mean to at all diminish what Bobrovsky's. Obviously, I was one who threw his name out there. But um, what March or so did last night was, and let me ask you, what's your definition of a natural hat trick, by the way? Uh, when you score, like, three consecutive goals. So right. like you score one, then you score another one, then you score like you score the next. No, three nobody, games. no teammates or opponents get in the way of that too. Obviously, right? I feel right. like that's the traditional. For me, growing up, it was always three consecutive goals in one period. 
And I would get I mad when think... someone would score like a goal late in the first and then two in the second. People like, natural hat trick. And I would get all like, no, that's not what a natural hat trick is. I never thought about the period thing as like a, a marker, but as long as the player is able to score goals in consecutive fashion without any interruption, then that would be sufficient enough for me. Okay. Well, that's why I was excited about Marches, because he did it in one period. But you don't see that a lot. That a is true. Sick. Like, like, like I'm, I'm the guy, like, I think it's my grandfather's fault. Like when I play pool, I have like almost everything's a scratch. Like if you do anything, like you miss the ball or you hit the wrong ball first, uh, it does, the, the, it, it, there, there's like 30 different ways to scratch. So when people play me in pool, they get really mad about like all these stickler rules I have. And it's <laughs> the same thing, same thing with a lot of the hockey things where it's like, no natural hatch has got to be a one period or it doesn't count. Like I'm not, I'm not pleasant to be around is what I'm saying. That's de- yeah, I can actually see that. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, we'll do multiple choice madness before we wrap up here. Uh, which of the f- not to bring up the five teams again, but which of these remaining Stanley uh, Stanley Cup playoff teams are the most deserving to win the cup? Vegas, Florida, Carolina, Dallas, Seattle. Which of these five teams do you feel would be the most deserving to win the Stanley Cup? How do you define deserving? Like the fan base deserving or fan base? The, the quality of play. I mean, it's Carolina, right? Like, Carolina's been, like, on the doorstep of greatness for a while now. I know they won a cup in 06, but was, you know, this iteration of the Hurricanes has been building toward this for a while. The other, any of the other teams win the Stanley Cup, and it's like, wow, that sort of came out of nowhere a little bit. Carolina does it. It's like, well, this was the end of a process. This is like what Tampa did, and now Carolina is king of the, king of the, the, the league. So I, I think a- if you're looking at it that way, Carolina is the one that's, like, earned it, so to speak. I guess, but also if you look at Florida and the fact, fine, they snuck into the playoffs, but they knock off the greatest regular season team and another higher seed in Toronto. They beat Carolina. Like, imagine them go to the final, just just them going to the final after what they went through last year. That's incredible. Well, I guess I guess there's a difference between deserving it and being worthy of it. Right. Like if Florida wins, they are certainly a worthy champion. But I feel like Carolina has been building toward this for a long time and they they would be a legitimate you know, this is a really great team champion, especially doing it without three of their top guys. I have to say with Carolina, it just I think because of the fact they lost all those top guys, it, they've just kind of flown under the radar through these first two rounds. Like I know you were around the Carolina Islander series, but that didn't get talked about nearly as much as so many other postseason series. Right. Carolina, New Jersey kind of happened. It's not a good series. It was not, not a, a good series. series. It happened. But all the while, Carolina showed the talent that they have, their ability their Rod Brindamore has proven to be arguably the best coach in the league right now, they're a really good team in spite of whatever injuries and shortcomings that they have. They look like the team to beat of all the remaining teams left. We could get a Vegas Carolina series and really get a good series out of that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's almost no combination of teams left that would make for a bad Stanley cup final and it'll make for bad ratings, but it won't make for like, there's some good series to be added. There's some exciting brands of hockey. There are some stars still out there. There's, there's Kachuk. There's Jack Eichel, there's Jason Robertson and Rope Hints. I mean, there's a lot of fun to be had here, you know, whether it's, you know, whether people watch or not, I'm sure shit going to watch. Especially you met those first three names. Gotta imagine if you are a big American hockey fan, you must love the fact that guys like yeah. Matthew Kajuk and Jason Robertson are, are, are still alive in this postseason and can play huge roles for these teams. This is such a big deal for these markets. And also, if you are a fan of USA Hockey, Jason, J- Jake Ottinger's American. Yeah. And, yep. and Jason Robertson should be 
one of the biggest stars in the league. He is, yes, besides he being just an awesome player, he's an awesome guy. Like, he's funny. He's, like, self-deprecating. He's got a personality. Like, I remember the, 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 I was first introduced to him, really, at the at the, the player car wash last year, you know, where the, the player media tour, where they come down. Mm-hmm. And he was hilarious. He's so relaxed. And he's just, like, this young, happy-go-lucky guy who happens to be awesome at hockey. You know, like, he should be a mega star in this league. He doesn't look like every other hockey player. Like, the mm-hmm. NHL should be marketing the shit out of him. Nobody knows who he is. Mark, we could do an entire hour on what the NHL should do to market itself better. We could do an entire hour of this podcast and doing that. But we only have so much time. Uh, so thank you for filling in for Ian. Uh, I'm sure Ian will be back next week once he returns from uh, his travels out uh, in Europe. But uh, yeah, thank you so much for doing this, man. I really appreciate these last two weeks with you, man. These, these have been fun. Oh, absolutely, man. Always happy to be on. Always happy to have you on. Thank you so much for listening to The Athletic Hockey Show, uh, dear listener. Uh, please follow us on your favorite podcast platform and leave a rating and review. We would really appreciate it. I just have to say, uh, I'm reading this. I got to say, Chris Flannery is the number one producer in North America, maybe the world. Just incredible. We're just letting these things get too far. I'm pretty sure he's the one who wrote that, right? Yes. <laughs> no, that's so nice of you to say, Julian. That was really... I Shout out Big Chris, man. He, he is that dude. Uh, thank you so much for your work as always. Uh, follow us on YouTube at youtube.com slash at The Athletic Hockey Show. And right now you can get yourself a one-year subscription to The Athletic for $2 a month when you visit theathletic.com slash hockey show. Corsi, 